0: I remember the first time somebody called me a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, disciple, had a nice ring to it. It felt um, strong. You realized you were a part of something much bigger than yourself. Sometimes it was really, really tough. See, I, I can't begin to describe just how disorienting things were back then. I mean, one minute Jesus is telling you about uh, the gift of life, and the next minute it seems like he's just going to let us drown in the middle of the sea. (laughs) Spoiler alert. We didn't drown. It sure seemed like we were going to. Looking back on it, I realized that Jesus didn't waste a moment. I mean, he was always showing us that he was who he said he was. Which, I know, begs the question. How can we doubt him? Yeah, I tend to be the one that gets asked that more than anybody, because for some reason, Doubter has been connected with my name. For the record, I wasn't the only one who doubted. It's just I wasn't there the day that Jesus appeared to everyone else. I, I, I was gone. And, and so I didn't, there... Look, the finality of death, it has a, uh, a choking grip on all of us. And on that day, Jesus was crucified when um, death swallowed him up. And then there was the day that um, they showed me his hands and the scars. And he said, Thomas, you believe because you see. But there's going to be people who believe and don't see. And that night changed everything. I mean, I was still a disciple, but now now I was an apostle sent to share the good news, to tell a story. You know, there's a uh, there's another word. started with a few of us, began to spread. I think it's the best word of all. It says everything that needs to be said because we realize it wasn't about how well we believed. It was about who we believed in. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Yeah, from that moment on, we were called believers.
1: Amen. Thomas has um, always been one of my favorites for obvious reasons. Anybody else? I always feel bad for him. Kind of called the doubter, right? But we'll get to Thomas. But first, I have a question for you. Have you ever done something and we're friends here, right? We can trust, huh? yeah, it's going on the internet, but don't worry about that. Uh, have you ever done something where you, you know it's wrong and you're kind of afraid you're going to get caught? Anybody? Oh, There's like four of you the rest of you are liars. All right, it's okay. Um, some of you are here right now. I'm like, I figure church is a good place to hide out. Police will never look here. Um, I did, I was think I was like 10, 11, somewhere in that range. And I remember it really clearly. My friend. A couple of friends and I, we were um, riding bikes around the neighborhood and we were bored. And 10 and 11 year old boys getting bored, not good, right? And so we're riding, was just down the street from my house and, and, and we get to this place and there's these kids that are even younger than us and they were playing in the yard and I'm still not sure what gave us this idea, but we started to go,
0: hey kids,
1: you want to buy some grass? We didn't even know what grass was except for, like, what you mow, right? Like, and you, want, you want to buy some drugs? You want to buy, right? And they're like, and I don't for those of you who aren't as old as me and you don't remember the 80s, but that was, like, Nancy Reagan, just say no, right? And so these kids are like, no, they finally had their opportunity, right? We're not going to do drugs. And they go running into work. We're, we're calling the police. So we got on our bikes, and we got it going. We go around the block. I part ways with my friends. They go towards their house. I'm getting to my house. I get sort of into my driveway. I look down the street, and there's a cop car, right? And I'm driving. I'm like, I got to get in the house. There was nobody home, thankfully, right? And I'm like, I just got to get in my house. And I don't know if, if the kids still do this today or not, but back in the day, we used to pride ourselves on ghost riding our bikes. Anybody else? All right. Well, what that was is you ride as hard as you can. You jump off and see how long your bike can go without you. It was dumb, and it did a lot of damage to our bikes. But we loved it, and I was actually got pretty good at it. Thankfully, because on this day I get to, I'm like, I don't have enough time. They might see me, so I go straight. I, I want that thing to go right into our garage. It's actually a chicken coop without chickens, but that's a whole different story. All right, and I let it go, and the bike just goes right into the garage. And if I, you know, if I wasn't scared to death, I would have been like, oh yeah, ghost riding champion. But I was scared to death right so I I I like like hands and knees get into my house lock all the doors which we never did and I'm looking out the window like oh man this is the worst we're drug dealers we're drug dealers and my phone rings now kids this isn't a cell phone all right this thing had a cord attached to the wall all right and so I'm like hello you know, thinking it's probably, you know, the president or Nancy Reagan herself. Who knows? And, and it's my friend Brian who I was with. And he goes, Jamie. I don't know why he was whispering, to be honest. But I think he didn't want his parents to overhear. And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He's like, the cops stopped us. I was like, so he's like, but we, we denied it. We told him that there's these other kids selling drugs. And we pointed them towards your house. <laughs> and then he goes, watch your back. Click what of a friend is that so I'm like oh great right I'm peeking out the window I'm thinking I'm gonna be on death row so either the state's gonna kill me or my mom's gonna kill me and she'll probably be quicker right she doesn't take appeals right and I'm like so scared because I'm gonna get caught right that was funny I told that story last night I got thinking I went home and uh my friend Brian he still lives he's a Physical therapist now, really successful. And we don't talk very often, just every once in a while I see him, but I do have his cell number, and I text him. I was like, hey, do you remember? And he goes, oh, do I? (laughs) He goes, it was overcast. We used used some pieces of, of like, sheetrock to be drugs, and he said, Officer Filio of the Dalton Police stopped us. I denied it three times, and the rooster crowed. (laughs) He knows I'm a pastor, so he thought he was funny. And I'm like, man, you've got recollection. Because when, you know, you are, uh, you remember days like that. Because you, you know, you're only 10. You think you're dead. Meanwhile, the police were like, he's like, I wonder if they're still working on that cold case in Dalton. Maybe we can confess. Why I told that story, I have no idea. It's Easter. Give me a break. No, I told you that story. Because that's where we, we begin this, in the text we're going to be in, in John, where these these apostles, these disciples, except for Thomas, they're in this locked room, and they're terrified. But here's the weird thing, right? That the, the ladies had already run and seen Jesus. They had already come back saying, hey... He's alive, right? And they're they're still in this locked room. I don't know if they were like, okay, ladies. You know, I don't know. But they they even had uh, John and Peter. They they ran and they saw an empty tomb and they come back. So there's rumors starting to circulate all over the place. And so maybe that just made them more afraid. Like, oh, no, the Romans are going to think we stole his body. What's happening here? And so they do what you've probably done. They lock the doors and they lay low. And it's there. They meet Jesus. And it goes from doubt to belief. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I ask you, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us to believe. Those who've never believed for the first time to really believe. For those of us that are believers, as the video said, to help us to keep on believing. So we might cling to that faith wherever you have us, whatever doubts, whatever struggles, whatever hurts, whatever griefs that we can continue to walk in faith and believe in the resurrection Christ in his name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Um, so it was kind of weird. When I first became a Christian in, in college, I realized on Easter people would, would say, he is risen, and then uh, someone else would say, he is risen indeed, and I thought that was kind of weird to be honest. I'm like, who says indeed anymore, right? And then I did some studying, and I realized that the very first Christians, it wasn't just on Easter Sunday. That's how they always greeted each other, right? He is risen. He is risen indeed because it changed everything. So, he is risen in unison. You guys could be a choir. Well done, right? You'll notice, welcome to those of, uh, of you who you're either here from out of town, maybe you have other church families. We just want you to feel like part of ours here. Thank you for being with us. Those of you that got, you know, just came here, maybe you're dragged here, or uh, you're just visiting, I um, just want to welcome you. Just this is what we do every week. We don't do a lot of, we don't give away cars or do anything kind of crazy. We just kind of celebrate the, the, the resurrection of Christ. And so the, our doors are welcome to you always. Just so you know that, right? Um, and so we are going to be in John chapter 20, verse 19 is where it's going to start. So if you want to turn on your devices or open up your Bibles or just look at the screen, that's up to you. If you turn on your voices, your devices, don't go to Instagram, all right? Um, and if you don't own a Bible, take one of those in the pew. We would love for you to have that as a gift. We want everyone to have God's Word, so uh, we won't come looking for you if you take that. So let's jump into it because I gave you the scene. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. What a crazy scene. First of all, when it says Jews, that's not anti-Semitic. It's, that's, that's, they're all Jewish, right? So that's, that's a title for the Jewish leaders who had handed Jesus over. And so like, if you were following someone who just got executed, guess you'd be worried too. They're coming for us next. And that's how they were feeling. Right now, these rumors are circulating, but this scene is crazy, right? They've locked the doors, and then there's Jesus. Like, I don't know if he picked the locks, did he walk through, you know, or then he's just there, and he says, peace be to you. And it's a crazy scene because he, he was dead, and now he's alive. Can you imagine that? You just saw someone die, and now all of a sudden they're standing in front of you, talking to you. And so it's just a whole thing was mind-blowing to them. But what I think is most beautiful and ironic is the, is the phrase, peace be with you. That word peace, it doesn't just mean good feeling. It doesn't mean, oh, peace, right? It, it's a word the Jews would use as they would greet each other. It was shalom. And it meant wholeness. It meant wellness, specifically with God. Right. They didn't have in their they didn't really have in their vocabulary or in their their, their generation like we do. It's like, ah, you sneeze, and I'm like, should I say God bless you or is that going to offend you? Right? They all believed in God, or at least pretended to be, to to believe. So it was kind of a hope. Like you might say, good luck, or I I hope you're well, or or God bless you, you might say. Like like you don't know if they're well, but you're hoping they're well. Right? That's what they would greet each other. But here, right, like Jesus says shalom. And, and the last time they saw him, he was beaten and bloodied and dead. And now he's alive saying, Shalom be with you. Wholeness, wellness, I was dead, I'm now alive. You were dead and now you're alive. And so for the first time, this is the ironic thing, for the first time ever, though that was a common expression, it's true, not just a hope. He's saying, because I've died for you, this is now a true statement. You have peace. You have Shalom. Because I've paid it in full. I've conquered sin and death. Shalom be with you. And so they're just, imagine you're in that room. And uh, suddenly this is what, what Jesus does. Is when he heard, um, and, hold on, yeah. So it, it, it says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. That kind of sounds like they were glad. No, it means overjoyed. That's the feeling around Easter, no matter what you're going through, no matter where your doubts are, there's joy. It says Jesus said to them again, Shalom, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We'll see Thomas the doubter in a second, but man, it seems like these guys got off, right, on their crime because they needed to touch and see as well. But for some reason, we don't have doubting John and doubting Peter. we got doubting Thomas. That's why I feel for him. He just happened to not be there, but we'll get to him. So they're, they're touching Jesus. This is him. He's, he's risen, right? Like this is, this, is, this is it. And then he says, peace be with you. And then he just gives him the mission. Like he's, he's talking to ragtag former fishermen locked in a room, and he says, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Not a different mission. Not a new mission. The same mission. They're like, well, Jesus, you're going to join us? No, 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 no. No, no, no. You're carrying the ball. You're getting in the game. It's your turn. Go. Right? All the way to the ends of the earth. And so uh, when, when he said this, when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold with forgiveness from any, it is withheld." Now, that's kind of a controversial statement, and people over the years are like, what does that mean? He certainly doesn't mean that, that Christians get the opportunity to save or say who's saved and not saved. He's, he's ultimately saying this, that when you are an authentic, gospel-proclaiming, gospel-living community, and you recognize who's in and who doesn't believe, Right? You have that recognition of the church that's going to form, and as you bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. But I, before moving on, want you to see the first thing he did and said, because it's critical. Because this mission is not just those fishermen. It's, guess what, the same mission we have today. Same mission. And he said, you know, because you're like, me? Like, I'm in this locked room. I'm terrified. You're, you're, you're putting this task on me? And he says, receive the Holy Spirit of God. You see, the strength, the power, the courage, all of it, the doors that will open are God's power, God's spirit in you and in us. And I was like, I, don't, I'm like, I struggled all weekend. I was like, Lord, I don't have time for this. I don't, you know, don't ever do that with God. It's not smart. You would never win that argument. And, and, and he's just like, just take a minute and say this. It's not a bad thing at all. It's just kind of a side note that if you are, you call yourself a, a Christian, a believer, but you're on the sidelines right now. You know what I mean? You're like bored with your faith. The mission of God, Jesus Christ, the resurrected king, there's nothing boring about it at all. But if you've relegated to reading a few Bible passages and shown up to church once in a while, of course it's boring. But if you're on the sidelines because you're, you know, you're lazy or disobedient, that's a whole other sermon for another day. But I'm talking specifically to you. You're on the sidelines, because you think, what do I have to offer? Like, what can I do? I'm not, like, I don't know enough about, I'm kind of a new believer. I don't really know. Like, like I'll just kind of, I'll, I'll grow a little. It's like, that doesn't work that way. Because it's the spirit of the living God who works in you and through you. You have the words. You have the courage. The same Thomas, these same doubters, all of them, except for John, are going to die for their faith. That's because the spirit. Same spirit you have. Friday night, I was talking to a, a newer lady to our, um, our church family named Phyllis, and she, we'd been praying for her because her lungs had been filling with fluid, and it was terrible. And we'd been praying for Phyllis. She came up to me. She said, yeah, I went to the doctor's. I was feeling a lot better, and the fluid was gone. Yeah, and the doctor said, where'd the fluid go? And So she got to tell him. God took it away. But more than that, she was, a nurse came because she has other things going on. And, then, and, she's, and so she asked, hey, to the nurse, how are you, how you doing? And she says, you know what? I'm feeling kind of sad today. Right? She says, Something about Phyllis just made me just, like feel like I can just be honest. I'm not feeling great today. And she goes, can I pray for you? And the nurse said, sure. So she prays for the nurse. And afterwards, the nurse is like, I feel great now. Right? Now, did that change the world? Maybe. Maybe the nurse will go on and change the world. I have no idea, but probably not. But what she's doing is she's feeling the power of the Spirit, and she's wherever she's planted, she's going to be courageous enough to speak, to pray, to carry forth the mission. So God says, get in the game. There's no benchwarmers in the kingdom. You're invited to play. And if you're not a Christian yet, you'll be invited to play once you believe. It's the greatest mission there's ever, ever, ever been. So let's get to Thomas. He wasn't there. Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So he did not see and he did not feel. So naturally, what do you think the disciples are going to do? Well, they're going to tell him, right? And they should. And so they do. So the other disciples tell Thomas, hey. We've seen the Lord, like all of them. Like imagine that. Oh, we've seen the Lord. We touched him. We found Him. But he said to them, unless I see in the hands of the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. That's over the top, Thomas, right? You don't just see doubt here. You see anger, don't you? And somebody can relate to that. I want to point that out. Like, if you can relate, you come here and you're like, "I know everyone else is joyous, and I'm not feeling it." I don't want to drag the room down, Jamie. But it's not welcome. You are amongst friends here, right? Like, like I know we tend to clean up okay, but we all struggle with doubt. All of us, one way or the other. And so, so like, like Thomas is in huge doubt. But I'm just saying, like, like, like if that's you today. God is a big God. Like, Don't shut him out. Don't be afraid. Well, he doesn't want to hear what I have to say. Yes, he does. He can handle it. He already knows what you're thinking. So it's it's either shut God out and try to do it on your own. Good luck with that. Or give it to him. There's plenty of places in the Bible where just like David himself, man after God's own heart, saying, God, how long will you completely forget me? How long will you ignore me? How long will you let me experience this pain? That's a great prayer. So if you're like Thomas, that's okay. Just don't shut God out. Here's a few conditions that I want you to be aware of that we learned from Thomas. Conditions, things that can kind of cause doubt, and then we start drowning in that doubt. First is disposition. That's just a fancy word. It means how God wired you, right? Like We're different. Like, Thomas is a little different than the other guys. Like, he's called a doubter. I call him more of a realist. Is that you? Like, i got to see it. I believe in science. You know, something like that. That's okay. That's how God made you. That's how God made Thomas. If you look at it, there's two other places in John where Thomas is mentioned. I love this. John chapter 11. You've probably heard of it. Lazarus dies. They get word that he's dead, and Jesus says, let's go to Galilee. And his disciples are like, He's dead already, Jesus. They're looking to kill you there. Let's stay away from Galilee. And Jesus says, sorry, guys, we're going to Galilee. And Thomas goes, I guess we should go too. Let's die with him also. Now that's pretty loyal. It's pessimistic. It's a little Eeyore. It's realist. He's just like, hey, Jesus, I know you think we got this covered, but they're probably going to kill us. But I love you. I'm going with you. God wired him that way. Other time, Jesus is telling all this stuff about going to be with the Father, and you'll follow me, and blah, 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 right? And all the disciples are like, this is so confusing, but I don't want to be the one to ask that, right? Even Peter decided to, to be quiet. That's crazy, right? Thomas goes, well, we, we would go if you'd show us the way. I don't know how to get there. I don't have GBS yet. I was born too early. And everyone else is like, oh, Thomas, right? Because Thomas is just like thinking realistically, what are we doing here? And so I mean by disposition is Jesus chose Thomas. God made Thomas, just like you. But here's the thing. Our strengths are often our weaknesses. You ever notice that? Things you're good at? Like, like some of you have a disposition the opposite of Thomas. You're, you're like always see the hope, right? So much so you annoy people, like, right? Like you're on the team that's down 50, and you're like, guys, we can win everyone's like, shut up, dude. We, got, we're, we stink. We, we need you to encourage us. We also need the Thomas who's like, who's like, we need to practice more is what we need. We stink, right? But your strengths can be your weaknesses. Like anyone here uh, call yourself like type A, like uh, OCD, whatever? Oh, please, some of you are lying again, right? Or you're not paying attention because you're looking, everything's not symmetrically perfect up there, right? <laughs> but we need organized people like you. Right, we need you, but you like you might walk in, you get invited to a new home, new couple, right, and you you see that oh that pic- picture is just a and you're like I gotta fix it, right, and they kick you out, like, get out of our house, stop touching our stuff, but it just it just means it's your disposition, and so if you're like Thomas you're sometimes the hardest to reach because you have doubts because you're like, well, I, I, only, I, I just don't want to believe in a fairy tale and I just don't really see it, and, right? I just want to ask you to not let that stop you from seeking God. Surely you at least know that, that naturally and supernaturally all around you there's a ton of things that you're clueless about, right? Like you must at least know that. And so maybe, maybe... There is a God who loves you. There is a Savior who died for you. The worst thing that ever happened, the cross, is actually the best thing. So just, it's your disposition. It's okay. Don't let it give you a badge of honor to say, I don't believe, because that's the worst thing that can happen. The second thing that we learn from Thomas is um, he got alone. And that's very common. Believers, Christians in the room, we do this too. You're struggling with doubt, like, well, they don't want me at church. They don't want me in a small group. They don't want me praying. Right? Imagine you're in a small group and you're praying and the guy next to you goes, how long, oh, Lord? Will you leave me here? You're like, hey, bro, get some counseling or something. This is not that kind of small group. But that would be beautiful because it's honest. So don't cut yourself off. I don't know why Thomas wasn't there when everyone else was. But what I do know is it didn't help him that he was by himself. It just caused his doubts to get bigger. Let's doubt together. Let's fear together. Let's learn together. Let's encourage each other together. And so lastly is big. This can cause you to doubt, and that's life circumstances. I think Thomas probably was one of the worst, like the the cross hit him one of the hardest, if not the hardest, because he's a realist. And everyone else is like, maybe something good will happen. He's like, nothing good. Like, I gave up my life to follow this guy. He's dead. I saw him die. It was horrible, right? Like, like, because he's a realist, life circumstances just crushed him, and that can happen to you. Dealing with grief, and you're just like, God, if you're really there, why would you let this happen? You're dealing with job loss. You can't get ahead or your bills are piling up or there's some, something going on in a relationship or you're sick or someone you know. Like all of these things, they hit and we can go, cause us to doubt. And I'm just pleading with you, remember, he's a big God. He's got big shoulders. I've told you, if you're normally with us, you've heard me the last couple of months tell two different scenarios. One, I was in my backyard, hat over my face, just sobbing. Asking why God hasn't answered that prayer. Another time, I was in bed trying to fall asleep, and again, all I could pray was, "Why haven't you answered this? Why haven't you answered this? Why haven't you answered this?" That's it. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there right now. It's okay. I don't want. To, he won't keep you there. I promise you that. But don't shut God out. Don't let your doubts cause you to go. You know, because what we do is we turn to just dumb idols that end up destroying our lives. That's what we do. Just turn to something dumb that we try to fulfill our lives and satisfy our souls with, and it never works. Instead, continue to honestly bring it to God. And then maybe what happened to Thomas will happen to you. Maybe not exactly. He said eight days later, his disciples were I don't know why they're still inside, but here they are. Praise God for the disciples. It makes me feel really good about where I'm at. And Thomas was with them this time. Thank you, Thomas, right? Although the doors were still locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Shalom be with you. Now, I don't know this for sure, but you guess who was he looking at when he did that? Oh, I just see it, right? Comes in, Thomas is over there going, you know, Jesus goes, Shalom, Thomas. Maybe he didn't make a joke of it like I would. I don't know. But I know like he was just for him. And the beautiful thing is, is Jesus knows what you need, and he will give it to you when you need it. And he says, you too, Thomas, have peace. And then it's just this beautiful scene. He said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. That's critical, so if you tuned out, tune right back in, all right? This is a command of Jesus to Thomas, the doubter, do not disbelieve. Stop not believing. Now, that's kind of crazy, because as much as we might malign Thomas, he gave up his whole life, followed him for three years, and was willing to die for him. I'm stepping away. Like, he's probably further on than I am, right? But still, Jesus says, stop not believing. So what is he talking about? He's talking about a whole nother level, and you need to hear that. He's not talking about believing in some kind of religious instruction or believing in some kind of philosophy or believing in a church starter or believing in a miracle worker. He's saying, believe in the risen Christ, the Son of God, where life is found in my name. Believe. Stop not believing. And that, my friends, is a command. Jesus demands it. And you need to hear that. Like, I'll see all over the place. Jesus died. It doesn't even really matter what you believe. That's a fairy tale. It's not true. All throughout the scriptures, he demands one thing, believe, which means follow him, which means trust in him. And he says he's demanding that because he's like, I've, it's the way. I've died for you. I've made a way where there was no way. I've given you shalom. Believe. 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 It's a, it's a command to believe. He doesn't say to you, Clean up your life and then believe. Stop cussing and then believe. Right, like whatever, fill in the blank. And but No, 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 he says believe, the rest of it he's going to do. He's going to start cleaning up your life. A lot of us can testify to that. It starts with belief. And it's a command to all of us is to believe. And my hope and my prayer is that you will not just emulate the doubts Thomas had, but maybe emulate Thomas the confessor. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. From fear to faith, from doubt to belief. That next level, Thomas, my Lord and my God. So that's beautiful, but Jesus always has a teaching point. He would have made a good pastor. All oh, right. The best one we have. He said to him, have you believed because you've seen me, Thomas? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Isn't that awesome? If you're a Christian in the room, that's you. Take that. Like Life's hard. Take that. Jesus says, you're blessed. I'm blessing you. Because, man, Thomas got to feel his wounds. Y'all got me. I'm sorry about that. Right? Like, like, or or some of you, when you first believed, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was some scrubby guy on the street. I don't know, some pastor, right? That isn't what Thomas got. Somehow, some way the Holy Spirit opened your heart and you said, I believe. And Jesus said, Blessed are you. Blessed are you. He's pleased with your faith. I want you to hear that. He might not be pleased with, with, with the sin that we're still struggling with. He certainly isn't. And, and he's, he's working on us. But don't see Jesus is in some upper room kind of glaring at you, wishing he didn't save you. That's not our Savior. That's not our Lord. He says you're blessed. Live out the life that he blesses you with. Because he is talking about you. If that's you. And if it isn't, it can be you. It's the whole point. And so we land where John landed. It's kind of interesting. There's a whole other chapter, chapter 21. But uh, John gives us the purpose of his book here at the end of 20. I think just because it's a perfect place. Right? He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So I gave him just a highlight reel for a purpose. What's the purpose? But these are written so that you may... Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, what you may have life in His name. To believe in the risen Christ equals life in His name. Now, I understand my life here. This life, let's be honest, kind of pathetic. It's a broken world. It's hard. It's often difficult. He's saying, not just now in the already not yet, but for all of eternity you will be growing in the riches of the Lord Jesus Christ and the knowledge of the beauties of heaven, and you have that life because you've believed. You've believed, and you get life. That's the promise. That's the whole purpose is believe so you might live. You know, scholars are a little bit torn. That word that John chose in the Greek... Greek is way better than English. Like we just have one word for everything. Hey, I love my wife. I love my pizza. Like it's just so stupid, right? <laughs> Greeks, they all knew what they were doing. And that would believe. He chose a word that scholars are like, well, it can, depending on context, mean for the first time believe. It can also mean to keep on believing. And I love that because we got both here. We got both watching us online. We got maybe someone or someone's here right now, and you're like kind of like a Thomas. You're like, all right, I mean, I wish it was true, but I just don't, I have doubts, and I don't know. And I'm just saying be honest about that, and don't shut God out. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Do I believe or not? Do I believe or not? Man, maybe you're one of those Thomases, and you need to do more research. We, we have those Case for Christ books. Read it. It's a great book. I don't have the time. I'm just telling you, there's like three or four chapters in there on the fact that the resurrection is a historical event. If you throw out the resurrection as a historical event, you have to throw out all of antiquity. You have to. If you use the same standards, which they don't, but you should. And if you do, so I'm just saying, you might not have known that. You're like, I don't know, isn't that some kind of fairy tale they believe? No, 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 no. It happened. You have to deal with it. He died. He rose. Why? Read the book. At least keep seeking. Keep coming. Keep asking. And if you're like, no, 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 I do, I, I do want to believe, then do it. There's nothing special, it just it is special, but there's nothing like crazy you have to do, you just have to believe. And I know we got a lot of Christians in this room, me included, and watching. Keep on believing because you might be in a moment in your life, or you might be in one next week or next year, or something hits, you're sick, you're in grief, you're hurting, you feel like nothing, God's not answering that prayer, God's just You feel cold to God. Like those things are going to happen. They may be happening. And so the compelling thing that John's saying in the resurrected Christ is keep on believing. Keep going. Keep clinging. Keep believing. He will carry you through. He is with you. He will bless you. You just got to keep believing. I love the fact, because all of us have doubts. Let's remember that. All of us can relate to Thomas. And I love this scene in the Bible Jesus comes upon this father and son, and the disciples had failed to drive a demon out of his son. And so he looks to Jesus, and he says, if you can help, will you? And Jesus goes, if? And he looks at him, and he says, believe, believe. And so what did he say? I do. I do believe. Help my unbelief. Is he bipolar? (laughs) No, he's me and you. Right? Let's be honest. If you're just like, I always believe and I never struggle, can I mean, you lie to yourself? Instead, be like, I do believe. I know I'm a Christian. I know I believe. But man, over here in my marriage, or over here in my job, or when I'm sick, or when I lost that, but I got him and really having a hard time believing here. Help my unbelief. Maybe that's just your prayer. Beautiful prayer. Bring it to them. Maybe that's all you got today. Help my unbelief in this area. What we're saying is. Life is found in the risen Christ. And so believe and keep on believing. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'd comfort the weary. I pray you'd comfort the struggling, the grieving. I pray for those who are having a hard time even getting up in the morning right now. Lord, that you would give them the strength to believe in your grace and your mercy and your love, Jesus, you're the man of sorrows. You experience everything, even far worse than we do. And you've been there, and you know them. And I ask for you to give them the faith to keep believing. Lord, I pray for those who came in here today for whatever reason, but never put their faith in Jesus Christ, that right now they would. They just say, yes, Jesus, I have some doubts, but I want you. I'm at to an end of myself. Lord, you would open their eyes of faith, open their heart to believe. Oh, God, for all of us, me included, give us the strength to constantly cling to the hope of the eternal riches of heaven and all who you are and all that is coming. Come soon, Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, help us. Help us believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you can, let's stand and sing together.